says things over the top sometimes without necessarily understanding how they might be perceived by somebody who's not him. And he needs somebody to come and add the context to that. So I don't think that Tabo's a bad person for saying what he said, but I think when you are in a position of authority, when you have a leadership role as he does, when you are uh, arguably the highest paid public employee in the country, uh, I think you have a responsibility to consider the context of what you're saying. And in, in this situation, the context is very serious and it deserves to be discussed with that same level of seriousness. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, still under quarantine day, whatever. I don't know what day it is now. I'm not counting. Um, that would be too depressing, I feel like, if we all start counting. And I've got... David Hale. I feel like I introduced you poorly to say like depressing, and then now I've got David Hale from ESPN. <laughs> no, that add, that adds up. All those, all of that. Out. That's actually one of the more upbeat uh, introductions I would expect. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's strange times we're living in, as we all know. But um, I wanted to bring David on because. Um, David has spent plenty of time while he's been at ESPN covering Clemson because as I'm sure many of you are aware, Clemson is good at football and <laughs> um, footballing well. Yes, they do. They do. Unlike the rest of the ACC a lot of the times. But um, so he's concentrated a lot of his attention there, which means he's covered Dabo Swinney a bunch and and knows him decently well at this point. And um I had Grace Rayner on from The Athletic who covers Clemson last week and she mentioned when she was on the podcast that she was about to talk to Dabo. I had her on to do her Space Jam scouting report with me. <laughs> Little did I know Dabo <laughs> would become a major topic of uh, national news not long after. He and Mike Gundy. Um, although Mike was worse. So Dabo has that going for him. Yeah, that's always nice to know when you've got like that's uh, like it for for uh, over-the-top commentary uh, for telling people how old you are and for hairstyles. You can always count on Mike Gundy being marginally worse than whatever it is that you have put out there. Yeah, and I had this thought yesterday when I was reading some of what Brian Kelly was saying um, during his teleconference and how reasonable his um, you know, assessment of the situation seemed to be. And I'm like, how are we living in a universe where somehow things that Brian Kelly has to say <laughs> are less, are like less problematic and more like, yeah, I get exactly what he's saying. What a great point. Than like Dabo. How easy this should have been for everyone. And yet uh, I think you leave coaches with too much time on their hands and good Lord knows what might come out of their mouths the next time that they talk. So I think it's like, uh, you know, they all complain that they have to talk to the media and, and dealing with us is the crappy part of their job. But I think it's actually necessary. I think that they need to do it every few days to, like, release what's inside of them a little bit at a time. Because if you let it build up for too long, it all just comes out in this uh, cloud of just utter ridiculousness. Um, and, and so I think we are, we are doing them a favor by allowing them to vent in small doses under normal circumstances. Uh, and that allows them to go on with their lives without sticking their foot in their mouth too badly. But when it, when it, uh, collects for too long, it's like the Seinfeld episode where Elaine gets dumb because she hasn't been having sex. And, and Jerry comes up <laughs> with the analogy that it's like the garbage men haven't been coming by to take away the trash. So I think that's exactly what it is. 
Yeah, and I, and from what I understood from Grace, anyway, I don't think Dabo had really talked to the media yet during this whole time. Which, I mean, locally at least here, we've we've heard from Mac Brown a couple, bunch of times, uh, or at least a couple by now. We've heard from Roy Williams a couple times, Coach K, uh, everybody seemingly we've heard from around here. Cutcliffe has been you know doing some zooms. He's doing one today. Uh, Dave Doran's doing a Zoom next week. He did one already. Uh, Kevin Keats. We've heard from everybody, and you know, thankfully around here, all of them have had pretty much the same you know take on all of this which is we don't know and and mac mac brown the other day said he's optimistic that it'll be played in the fall but that's just the way that he's preparing his team right now because you know and he he pointed this out too lord forbid like you know everyone's assuming that there'll be a delay or it gets canceled and what if everything starts on time and all of a sudden you're not ready like that they don't want that so i get that too um that's yeah, the I mean, optimism. You were a kid and they said it was going to snow tomorrow, you still had to do your homework because you couldn't count on the weatherman to get that right. But, you know, I still would rather believe the weatherman than a, you know, a wish and a dream that it was going to be just fine. You know, it's, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with the, and this is part that frustrates me about how this conversation has gone. And I don't know, maybe I'm just sort of uh, uh, getting a, a very specific corner because I think I think if you just asked a hundred people at random what do you think of the commentary from Dabo or from Mike Gundy or, or, or whatnot like the majority would say they're being ridiculous I think the vast majority would say that but of course I'm hearing a lot more from Clemson fans in particular and if you look at some of the uh, Twitter replies to commentary about Mike Gundy I don't think Oklahoma State fans are taking that particularly well either uh, but, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that frustrates me is that this has come down to like, they're throwing out this sort of red herring of like, why is the media so against optimism? Nobody's against optimism. We're just talking about when people in a position of authority are blatantly ignoring reality. Uh, that's the part that is, is, I think, incorrect and problematic. And I think it's ridiculous to kind of point at the media as like, oh, they just want to do bad news. Anybody who thinks that the media is doing well during this and is no. profiteering off of bad news is just a ridiculous, ridiculous human being. Yeah, that's the th- that's the thing. Like we, I think people need to understand that we we don't want this. Like, and I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why people don't understand this. This is bad for our business. Um, I am currently spending most of my time. um, I'll probably eventually transition part-time into news for my website. I mean, that's where a lot of people are right now. I think that are still lucky enough to have jobs in sports. They're keeping their jobs in sports, but like they're they're having to pull double duty or, or some of them have moved primarily to news at this point. Like this is where we are right now. We don't have a job without sports. We don't want there to not be sports. I don't know why why this needs to be explained to people. I know. Good <laughs> Lord knows I don't want to do actual news. That's work. I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just, it, yeah, we, we don't want this to be the case. Um, and it's tough. Like I've, I found myself in the early days of this, like when the AC tournament was about to get shut down and, you know, we're all 
thinking we're playing without fans and in the stands and then it all of a sudden gets canceled just before tip and everything else and i found myself you know you you selfishly kind of fall into this trap of like well you know is it really so bad or could we just go ahead and play the games we're all here you know we might as well and it's i i have had to fight some of my own selfish impulses when it comes to this like well could we just quarantine everybody for a while you know get the college football players to like come to campus a few weeks early only them on campus not near anybody else get the testing ramped up maybe it could happen and by the way that that scenario is not entirely improbable i mean that's within somewhat of the realm of possibility potentially right that like if they ramped up testing enough they could potentially figure out a way to make this work i guess right well i mean look i think this is here's what's sort of lost in this whole conversation is no one and this this tends to happen this is this is sort of the the playbook for having an argument is to create straw men and never talk about specifics. So let's set all of that aside and talk about specifics and say, what if we wanted to have a football season? What needs to happen? Right. I think the first and absolutely most important thing is that we need a massive ramp up in testing and it needs to be better quality testing where you're getting results, if not instantaneously, certainly close to that. And it's something that you can do virtually every day or at least twice a week or something like that. Uh, anything short of that is risking significant problems. And, you know, the absurdity of Mike Gundy saying like, oh, these are big, strong kids. And you look today at the news out of Florida State where uh, Andrew Baselli talked about having gone through coronavirus and, and how awful it was for him that his dad was on a ventilator. I mean, these things are are serious, serious oh. issues, and you can't, you just can't take risks. And God forbid we start bringing athletes back. And I think there's upside to it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I think if you talk to a lot of coaches, they would say, I think there is uh, a good case to be made that they are safer on campus in a controlled, regimented environment than they are being spread out in 85 different locations across the country. Um, but if you bring, if you make the decision that, that these players are going to come back and they're going to be on campus and one of them gets sick and God forbid one of them dies, I agree that the statistics would suggest that's a long shot, but it's not impossible. The lawsuit, the PR problems, the, the potential for uh, just horrendous, horrendous outcomes because of that are so immense, not to mention the fact that a student might actually die. Uh, I think you're, you're, really setting yourself up for problems. And then it's not just the students either. We're talking about coaching staff. We're talking about coaches' families. We're talking about the support staff that needs to be there, whether it's tutors, whether it's the folks making uh, meals for these guys, whether it's the the uh, equipment staff, the uh, strength and conditioning staff. I mean, not all of these people are 19 and strong and healthy. Uh, so you have to know what you're dealing with. And until we have that type of testing, there, we're not going to be close to being able to do this safely. Um, and then you talk about actually playing games. Well, at that point, we need to say, if we're going to have fans in the stands, there needs to be a vaccine, there needs to be effective treatment. And you talk to anyone who knows what they're talking about about this, and I'm certainly not one of them, but when you read what, what medical professionals have to say, the best case scenario in a lot of this sounds like it's early 2021. So it's just very hard for me 
to other than saying I just really want this to happen to put myself in a situation where I can say okay this is going to happen uh, I think there will be a college football season one way or another because I think there's just too much money in uh, making it happen but to suggest that we're on the precipice of it being perfectly fine and dandy to do I think that's a, a long shot I mean we're already seeing lawsuits for cruise lines because of what happened and, and cruise lines at least have a certain level of plausible deniability and that nobody really realized how awful this was going to be. We all know what the situation is right now. And if we start loosening restrictions to allow sports to happen of all things, um, boy, the potential fallout there is extraordinarily high. Yeah. And I, I think my issue with what Dabo said wasn't so much even with his optimism and his, you know, coach sort of mentality of we're going to, kick it in the teeth, go team or whatever. That's all whatever. But I, I just, what I have wanted out of him was for him to, that, and this is something we've seen, I've seen around here locally with the coaches is using his platform to sort of say, all right, you know, I, if we, if, if we're going to have a college football season, y'all need to do your part and to social distance and to do what the medical professionals are saying. Um, and that is probably my biggest frustration with what Dabo's saying is like, he has a, a lot of influence and a voice. And, you know, if he doesn't go out there and help spread that message of like, okay, y'all, if we want to have a college football season, though, we've, we've got to help take care of this. Like, I, I don't, nothing is wrong of course with him having faith in god i mean all of our local coaches here seem to do that as well um, so it's not you know it's not like it, it's his faith in god that's the issue it, it's more of a thing of like hey can we not have both like can we have your faith in god but also we here on earth need to do our part too to to like make this go away or eliminate it or, or limit it or whatever it is. And that I think has been my biggest issue is like, I want there to be college football, but I also want these coaches to like use their voices and say, do the right thing, stay home. Yeah. I mean, I'm of the understanding that God helps those who help themselves. And I think that's a, a good starting point in this conversation, if that's the direction you want to go. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, every uh, how many other coaches around the country are taking pay cuts to donate to uh, causes to, to support this? How many have done PSAs, players doing it, Dabo's own quarterback doing it? Uh, those things are worthwhile and helpful to this conversation. And I don't want to be political about this because I don't think that gets anyone anywhere, but certainly there has been a politicized element to this conversation. And in this particular area of the country, the Southeast, it is the area where there is least likely to be a stay at home order, where there is the most distrust in, uh, you know, cultural institutions, whether it be media and government and, and stuff like that. And so voices like Dabo's matter to people uh, particularly around here. And I'm not saying, yeah, nobody's saying you shouldn't be optimistic. Nobody is telling you not to do that. But to suggest that uh, just because we've invented an iPhone and because God is good, that somehow there is going to be a solution in time to bring players back in May and start camp at the end of July and we'll have fans in the stands in August, that it it sets a, a tone that is very, to me, dismissive of the 
significance and seriousness of the actual problem right now. And I don't think that was his intention. I, you yeah. know, I, I made the joke with somebody, you remember the old Key and Peele sketch with where they had the Obama translator and Obama would say things very calm and collected and the translator would, would say it as angry as Obama was on the inside, like his inner monologue. I think yeah. that's what Dabo needs, but the opposite, where Dabo just gets so enthusiastic and excited about things and he says things over the top sometimes without necessarily understanding how they might be perceived by somebody who's not him and he needs somebody to come and add the context to that so i don't think that tabo is a bad person for saying what he said but i think when you are in a position of authority when you have a leadership role as he does when you are uh arguably the highest paid public employee in the country uh, I think you have a responsibility to consider the context of what you're saying. And in, in this situation, the context is very serious and it deserves to be discussed with that same level of seriousness. Uh, and so that, yeah, I mean, that was my frustration. And when you talk about, hey, I, you know, I took my private jet down to, to Florida and sort of as an afterthought after being oh. asked, say, oh, yes, it was sanitized uh, and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it again for Easter while public employees are being furloughed and laid off left and right. I mean, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. I'm, you know, I'm not telling him how to spend his money. He should spend it however he wants. And, and technically, no, there is not a stay at home order in, in South Carolina. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, like, it's not a, a, a PR nightmare to say those things. Like, no PR person in their right mind would say, yeah, go ahead and make those comments. It looks really bad. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's disrespectful to the people who are your fans who shell out money to come to your games who are really struggling economically right now. So, I, look, no one is criticizing him for being Dabo. That's not that's the, the part that's being really misconstrued here. But everybody can say things that aren't correct. And again, I didn't even criticize him for the initial comments. A lot of other people did. And I think in many of those cases, it was reasonable, well thought out criticism. And when his response to it is oh, people just want to attack me all the time now. That's the part that frustrates me. They made me angry is he doesn't want to listen to what people are saying because what people are saying in this particular instance is very serious and very important and very worth listening to. Yeah, and I think if it, maybe if we can all reframe the debate a little bit in media, not that it should be on us, but like it's it, we're not being pessimistic and we're not attacking him because, you know, of anything about like being against Dabo it's more because like we really want to have a college football season and we know that if people don't take this seriously we we have even less of a chance of that happening you know I mean we we need that stuff to happen in order for a college football season to happen and when he does things like this and puts it puts puts it in jeopardy with a bad example or whatever you want to say that's frustrating for us I mean I had a we had a family trip planned to see uh, my husband's family in Florida and uh, next week, and that's not going to happen for us. And, you know, that's just that's not a big sacrifice in the scheme of things. But like, I haven't seen my parents in over a month. I'm sure a lot of people haven't seen their families in a long time. Coach K lives here in Durham. He his grandchildren live here. He has not seen them since this happened. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I, so again, I understand that this is hard. And is Dabo going to his beach house the end of the world? Of course, it's not. But like, there are other people making sacrifices right now and and that probably him coming out with that information wasn't the best uh wasn't the best idea like if you're gonna do that we would never know unless you said it right you know right (laughs) right just keep it to yourself dude like 
you know, and, and tell people to stay home and, and wash their hands and all that good stuff. Like, that's where I get frustrated. And I think that's where people in media get frustrated with the coaches. It's like, tell people to do the right thing. Please help us help you. Right. And look, I mean, Dabo is bluntly honest about most things that he talks about. And I appreciate that. And I don't want him to be somebody that he's not. I'm not asking for that either. And again, when he says those things, like he said, I kind of shook my head at it at the time, but I wasn't going to turn it into a big deal because I just know him well enough to understand that when he says those things, the meaning in his head behind it is different than maybe it is going to be perceived by people. But, you know, when he comes back out afterwards and says, no, it's your fault for misinterpreting what I said, as opposed to my fault for maybe not considering the the, the implications of what I'm saying, uh, to me, that's, you know, that's not good leadership. That's not what someone in his position should be doing. And, you know, I, I would expect somebody to say the same of me. If I, you know, say something that 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 is that potentially upsetting to people, like I should be called out on it. We all should if we have a platform to give our, our uh, opinions on these things. So, I, you know, look, I, is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. But we are in a, a very strange time right now. And I think to be dismissive of, of what so many people are going through right now, uh, you know, if you want to call it optimism, that's fine. But there are a lot of people who would love to be optimistic, but their reality is much more complicated than that. And I think that it it behooves us all to understand and appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I I, I definitely wanted to have you on because I know you have a relationship with him. And like, I I don't mind him either. Like, I know some people do, and I, I think he's fine. He doesn't bother me at all. And all in all, seems like a decent enough guy. I mean, I, he has some opinions I disagree with, but that's true of a lot of people in the world. So like, no, I mean, look, you know, like I say, the bottom line is I always want people to be themselves. I will take uh, somebody that I vehemently disagree with that I think is genuine and honest over a person who is just lying to your face to tell you what you want to hear. I'll take that a hundred times out of a hundred. And I think that's what, what Dabo is. I think he's going to say what he thinks regardless, but you know, again, you when you make $10 million a year, when you have uh, created the narrative that you are a leader of men and that that is your priority over winning football games, like your responsibility then is to also listen when people have legitimate critiques of what you said. Uh, and, and that's all I'm saying here is that the, the critiques this time around were legitimate and I didn't like how dismissive he was of those critiques. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, so what are you doing with your time under quarantine? <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. I've been drinking a lot more. Uh, oh, yeah. Important. Uh, no, a lot of time with the uh, with the kiddos. A lot of I actually, I, you know, I've lost a few pounds because I actually get out and like walk around and do stuff as opposed to sitting at my desk all day. Uh, so I suppose that's a good thing. Um, you know, it's, it's quarantine life. It's a lot of, uh, uh, Netflix and a lot of, of time spent sitting on the floor playing with children. Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I'm like a horrible parent during this. I really am. I'm just like, here's, here's a device, please. Yeah. yeah. The other, <laughs> the other day we were sitting in the living room and, uh, we had the TV on with like Sesame Street or something, which our one-year-old was just obsessed with, like sitting in her high chair, like leaning over to try and get a better view of the TV. 
and my two and a half year old is has like a play not real cell phone that she's typing on while me and my wife are typing on our cell phones and i was like i just looked up and looked around and it's like oh my god we're the worst parents on the face of the planet uh but you know it's (laughs) you do what you gotta do to get by these days yeah you absolutely do and are you disney plus do you guys have that uh yes and may i just say i encourage everyone to be disney plus because we need all the streams of revenue coming into the money (laughs) we can Yes. I mean, they've gone way up, I think. I think they just passed like Hulu or something like that in terms of subscribers. And yeah, we we actually got it with Verizon for free. Um, So that was awesome. And yeah, that's been, oh, it's been wonderful. I've actually really enjoyed that for myself because like they have the old like 90s versions of the cartoons that I used to watch as a kid. Yeah, no, it's a good, uh, it's a good nostalgia trip. There's no doubt about that. And then of course my daughter has wanted to watch frozen two and onward like a million times already so uh you know it's been it's been good it's sort of the the babysitter that you can't actually have it's your social distancing babysitter right now yeah for sure yeah my kid is also obsessed with those and then i but i got him into ducktales the 90s version um and like tailspin tailspin was like yeah yeah, I was super happy to see those. And like, I've also learned during this time that like a lot of the movies that I liked as a kid were terrible. So um, that yeah. was interesting. To it's know. actually, this is, uh, it's one of the things that I have learned having kids is that sometimes uh, it's best not to explore your nostalgia because turns out the things that you liked when you were a kid were awful and you were really stupid when you were a kid. We watched Flight of the Navigator the other day. And we were like, oh, my kid will like this. Like, it's space and whatever. And it literally took them 45 minutes to get onto the spaceship. (laughs) Listen, movies back in the day were so much slower. And, like, you know, this is – I don't know if this is maybe, like, uh, uh, a discussion to be had about what our society has become and how small our our, uh, ability to focus is. But, like, I watched – oh, um, uh, Close Encounters. I watched that like I don't know within the last year, and I'm watching it. My wife is watching. It. She's like, "This is so boring." And I was like, "Yeah, it when is. did it get boring? It, it didn't used to be boring, but I think I've changed." But that's I mean, it's astonishing how slow movies were then versus what they are now. Yeah, it really is, and and they and like I just have been surprised by some of it, and like the seventies Disney movies that I liked a lot, I watched those. Like I think my kid is judging me a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, like I showed him the last time. I showed him bed knobs and broomsticks, and he was just kind of like, "What is this?" <laughs> I still like that movie, by the Angela way. Angela Lansbury, right? Yes, yeah. yes, it is insane, but it's it's still fun for me. But it can be. It can be a little slow. So are you are you doing a lot of like zooming with your friends remotely or like just kind of hanging out? No, you know, I'm just I, I, I'm on the precipice of like I'm too Gen X for all of these things. I think I don't know. We did a, a, a sort of a remote happy hour with a couple of our friends that um, lasted way too long and ended up with a hangover the next morning and and quarantine with two children hangover is is not uh-huh. something i strongly recommend yes no i it's terrible i was gonna say have it, i mean just with one yes <laughs> it was one because they don't let you sleep in no 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 they're not hungover is the funny thing about that so 
Yes, and they don't understand, and you can't really be like, "I'm hungover," because then they'll just repeat it. Yeah, no, it's uh, a <laughs> yeah, it's not a not a good thing. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm trying to you know, I'm trying to be um, uh, uh, more. I'm trying to be a good family man. I'm trying to exercise a little bit more. I've been trying to read more. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be. Well, the person that I always said I would like to be if, if work didn't consume me all the rest of the time, uh, I'm failing at that miserably, but at least I'm trying. Dude, you're doing way better than me. I have like, the closest I've gotten to working out is putting on workout clothes once. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'll let you know then when I change out of workout clothes. That's just been my permanent state of affairs right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. And I, it makes me think some about like these college players home and I know that they have strength coaches like uh, uh, on them all the time. So I get that they probably have a little more accountability. And I know like at Carolina, they're doing those Zoom workouts or whatever. But I mean, we're all we're all like and again, what is it? The quarantine 15? <laughs> oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I look, I, I think I actually had a story that came out yesterday sort of about like what what are the implications of this? Even if everything else goes right from here on out and we start football season uh, in September, as we're supposed to like, what, what, what might be the case because of that. And uh, it's just hard for me to believe that all of these guys are sitting at home without access to a gym, just being like, ah, you know, I'm going to go lift some water jugs for a while. Like, I, you know, I'm sure most of them are, they're much more disciplined, motivated human beings than I am. Uh, and working out as a part of their daily ritual anyway. But, uh, you know, you can't tell me that, like, they ain't going out and getting some Wendy's and McDonald's a little more often and stuff like that. It's just hard for me to believe that these guys, even the the best of them, are showing up back in, uh, on campus whenever that happens and being in every bit as good a shape as they would have been otherwise. I just, I find that very hard to believe just because you leave me to my own devices, things get bad very quickly. Yeah, I, I will say the one advantage I think football has here is that like, for instance, like hockey's become a big topic of conversation around here because like they're like, will they resume the season and just go straight to playoffs? Will they even be able to do it at all? Whatever. And hockey is one of those sports where you have to be on the ice like that's something that it's hard to replicate and like no, none of these players have access to ice right now so right right like I mean, they could go you know, a month or two without so it so many things that i don't think people really truly consider i mean it's almost like you know when your power goes out and how many times you flip the switches before you remember like oh yeah there's no electricity right now it's sort of like that like how do you get used to this lifestyle because there's just like dozens of things that you don't realize like oh I kind of relied upon that and was used to doing this and need this and I don't have access to it right now. Uh, I mean, just little things. And then you start thinking about guys who are like rehabbing an ACL. Like, how do you do that in this situation? Or uh, And then, I mean, there's plenty of guys who, I mean, I, you know, are you, is an online class the same as having a tutor right there to help you, you know, sitting over your, looking over your shoulder? Like, I, I think... You know, there's a decent chance there are some some academic issues that come out of this, and um, I mean, I, you know, there, there's just myriad ripple effects of of this situation, and I think that's it's certainly true in college football. I think it's true in sports at large, and I think in in the bigger picture, like it'll be years before we really wrap our heads around all of the ways that the last month plus have impacted our society. 
it's it's weird too because I know like you were saying this isn't good for us um as sports media people and I want to be clear like I've looked at our numbers recently on our website and I've even tried to incorporate some content that's not corona related like I did a triangle time hop where it was like this day in history what happened in the NCAA tournament and obviously there's plenty of options around here um and it just wrapped up this week and like I, nobody's reading that right now you know, I mean, everybody, you know, y'all might say you want the good news, but guess what? All, all the clicks are going towards Corona stuff. So wow. that's the other <laughs> thing I, I, I always I always laugh about is people are like, you guys are just out pushing your agenda. Nobody's pushing an agenda. People, if anything, your agenda at every media company is to, like, get readers or get viewers. And so if you don't like what's on, it's not our fault. It's public the public's fault for wanting it, you know, like. If there was a genuine desire for non-coronavirus related uh, information right now, um, those numbers for those stories would be sky high, but but they're not. That's the reality is, is that, uh, you know, everybody can say like, we want to eat healthy, but if you put out a bowl of broccoli and a bowl of candy, the candy is going to be gone at the end of the night. Uh, and that's, that's sort of the way that media gets consumed too, I think. And, uh, Right now, you know, unfortunately, I hope we have better things to talk about in the near future. I've really tried to make a point of talking about the season, and we just did this whole week has been uh, our gambling content has been about, uh, you know, picking good bets for the season, team season win total over-unders, conference champions, that stuff like that. And I've, I've kind of, like, put my head down and said, like, I'm going to do this as if I think the whole season's going to be played out just fine. Uh, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, are we are we just wasting our time here? And, you know, I think there's a segment of people that are really excited to read about something. But the, a lot of the comments that I've gotten on it are, why are we doing this? There's not even going to be a season. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like the beach trip I had scheduled for next weekend is actually we rescheduled the beach house for Labor Day weekend. Um, and. Um, that's supposed to be the first weekend of college football. And my, you know, my in-laws were asking me like, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, A, I don't know if they're going to start on time. And B, you know what, if they do, like, one thing I think this has taught a lot of us is family is important. And, you know, maybe it's time for some of us to start prioritizing some things over others. Maybe some of those weekends we could have gone to see somebody instead of covering, you know, a somewhat meaningless sporting event would it would have been better spent you know seeing our seeing our families and and things like that i know it's our job and it's my job too but i was like i can't tell y'all not to book this house when it's the last available weekend when like i don't know if we're even going to have a season so (laughs) um hopefully at some point and i think this is honest to god i think you know from Dabo on down i think that this is the the fulcrum of a lot of the anxiety and frustration it's just we don't know you know nobody knows what comes next and it feels good for anybody whether it's Dabo or Mike Gundy or or anybody to say like I got a good feeling about what's going to come next because we just I, I think most people would just like an answer it doesn't even matter what the answer is just like hey here's the day it'll be better here's the day you can get back to a normal life and if, if that day is yes. tomorrow or six months from now or five years from now it'd be nice to just know um i'm gonna go disagree on the five years well okay yes, yes. <laughs> yeah well uh i'd rather it be less than that but it would still be nice to at least have you know it's like running a marathon 
if they just keep moving the finish line. Like I just, it doesn't matter how how many miles I am from the finish line. I just want to know that that finish line is there. Yeah, I, it, Mac talked about that too recently, where he was just like, "We're college football coaches are control freaks," yeah. and like they want to be able to, you know, they can't plan a camp or anything like that because you just don't know, and and all these things just keep getting canceled. I mean, you know, he was even pointing out you can't plan a wedding, you know, you can't have a funeral for people. I mean, so that's the thing too. And and I, David Cutcliffe really did say it best. And we're gonna, I'm gonna talk to him at one. And I'm super excited about that because he's the voice of reason for all of us. But he he said like, look, if we're still, if we're, if there's a question in the fall about whether or not we can have college football, like college football is probably not going to seem as significant. As right. <laughs> yeah. well, that's a good point yeah. is that, you know, I, I think at every stage of this, I've kind of wanted to be the optimist too, or at least the, the skeptical optimist of being like, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be surely by this point, we'll have things figured out. And like, when you don't like, that's another kind of kick in the teeth. And yeah, I, I do. I tend to agree with that. Like if, September rolls around and and life isn't significantly different than it is today. Um, the problems are are going to be significantly more than just we're not having college football. Yeah, I, I'm. I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I, I wanted to throw it out. I'm assuming they're not doing anything different for college football players who might have put their name into the draft. Um, some of those sort of more borderline marginal players that, you know, didn't get a pro day, didn't get to work out for teams, all that kind of stuff, didn't get invited to the combine. I'm, I'm guessing no concession will be made right. um, for no. those guys, right? No. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I did a uh, – I kind of helped out on a story that our NFL folks were doing that, that you know, that there had been – guys that are sort of the bigger school, smaller names or the bigger names from the smaller school guys that um, didn't have all of that going for them or didn't get a pro day in have had to be very, very creative uh, about ways that they can try to get something out there. And I talked to a guy who trains uh, a handful of folks down in Fort Lauderdale area, including Stanford Samuels from FSU and, uh, um, uh, Tyler Huntley from Utah and, and a handful of other guys about, um, you know, what did they do? And, and they actually like numerous agents chipped in together, like agents working with each other, including paying for some players that were not even their clients. So they wow. do uh, like an unofficial pro day at a local park and they flew in a former NFL scout to oversee it, to add some legitimacy. And they got like, a feature film camera crew to come out and like film it from different angles and stuff. And, and even at that, some of the agents that I talked to were like, well, some NFL teams just aren't going to take this seriously. Some will, and some will appreciate the extra information, but uh, some will just say it's not our guys that timed it. So I don't believe a word of it. And that's that. And yeah, I mean, quite frankly, this will be, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be fine. Chase Young's going to be fine. But a lot of those guys that were not obvious first rounders and, and maybe didn't have the combine they wanted or didn't, uh, get to the combine at all or were working off an injury and couldn't work out at the combine like that's that's a problem and then you don't get to go and meet with teams individually because travel is limited and yeah there's there's a lot i mean i you know i don't know it, it sounds from every aspect it sounds like the nfl draft is going to go on exactly as uh scheduled and they're just going to make it work uh again the ripple effects of this who knows maybe 10 years from now we're talking about the the great steal that I'm sure the Patriots will get in like the sixth round because people just didn't have an ability to scout the way they wanted to. Yeah, it's it and like locally here, James Smith Williams is one of those borderline type guys. Um, but he's 
he did get to go to the combine at least and he's been talking about how unfortunate it is for guys that didn't get that chance to not be able to put anything on tape officially for NFL guys and uh, yeah by the way if you root for anybody you should root for James um, to get drafted Um, it will break my heart into a million pieces if that does not happen um, because he's a great kid and um, I want that for him very much so yeah from NC State Um, I guess he's like in the weird position of having like a hybrid position thing where he could be a defensive lineman, uh, could be a linebacker or whatever, but good kid. Hope he gets drafted. Um, Yeah, that's I mean, I guess that's pretty much about it. The NFL is the league to watch, though, I think, because they set the tone. Yeah, a little bit, you know, and they're they're very much taking a head down approach um, to this where it's like full speed ahead. So <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I think again, I mean, again, what Davos said is not wrong. You need to be prepared for what would be the expected start of the season. You need to keep preparing that way. I mean, it's sort of like telling the backup quarterback to be prepared to start for every game, even though they know he's probably not going to play. It's a hundred percent. definitely benefited right. Clemson at times. Right, so. right. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, uh, the, the alternative to that is you better have a plan B too. And it'll be very interesting to see how people's plan B's start coming together. Yeah. I mean, NFL is a league that's a lot more willing, I think to, you know, if they had to create an Island to have all their games on, they would do that. Whereas in college football, like you said, it's just not feasible for a lot of different reasons, probably um, to, to do that, or at least not as feasible. But, well, and you know, the um, thing that I keep pointing out and I, I think has really not been discussed enough in this about college football. I don't want to go down another wormhole. It will add an hour to this conversation, but <laughs> um, you know, football, you have a uh, an NFL commissioner who's going to say, who's going to talk to the people he needs to talk to and say, this is what we're going to do. The, the college football doesn't have that. You've got in just in division one, 130 FBS schools, You've got, so that means 130 presidents and 130 ADs, all with different priorities, uh, not just football, and certainly some not football hardly at all, uh, with different Yeah, and, presid- and presidents have different priorities right. than the AD. And, and then you have players that are not paid employees that are coming from all over the country. And then you've got, you know, FBS schools alone are in, what, 47 different states, so... You've got the different, I mean, most of this, most of the coronavirus response is coming from the state level, not the federal level. So there's not just some, uh, you know, magic wand that um, we say, okay, well, this is the day that everybody goes back to normal because it won't, it most likely will be some states do it this day, some states do it that day, some states do it the next day. And while the NFL, if they want to, can go play all of their games in Newfoundland, uh, that is not what Georgia and Cal and Minnesota and Texas A&M get to do. So um, I think there's just the reality is that for colleges, the complexity of trying to get everyone moving in the same direction is going to be a very, very tall order. Yeah, 100 percent. And again, presidents, their priority is more in the line of like, let's avoid liability. And, you know, they're they're going to be more in tune with what's safe and as opposed to the NFL, which is just like, you know, they don't have to worry about that as much. But, you know, they, they can't have a situation where they're liable for something happening on their campus. And then, 
you know, you you throw in the fact Mac Brown said this the other day and he even admitted prefaced by saying, I don't know, I'm not an expert. But like if if you want to say it's safe for the kids to play, then I don't know why we would say it's safe for the kids to play without fans. You know, why is it safe for them to be hitting each other and breathing on each other for however long? when you know and we're gonna just say well we're, we're gonna leave the fans out of it why are we he seemed to imply like why are we worrying about fan safety when we need to be worrying about everybody's right right well and uh again another wormhole that we could easily go down here is i feel like the response to this in the college world has really really pulled the curtain back on how much more these athletes are viewed as employees than students. And uh-huh. you know, Mike Gundy comments in particular stand out, but I think just the way that the, the uh, conversation is being uh, discussed among so many people, just, you know, we all knew it, you know, but the quiet parts are starting to be said loud. Yes. That's a very well, that's a very good way to put it. Um, uh, before I get you out, uh, you have a favorite Frozen 2 song? Oh, by far it's the 80s song, the uh, Lost in the Woods. That's that's by far my favorite one. I actually like hate, like there are some songs on there that I like a lot and some that I hate. Whereas in the Frozen 1, I like, I pretty much like all of them. Um, whereas there are some songs in the second one where I'm like, this song is trash. Get it out of my life. Um, I like the Panic at the Disco's version of Into the Unknown, even though you don't get that until the credits. Yeah. Well, I like the Weezer version probably of of, of Lost in the Woods. Oh. So. Oh, really? I don't. Okay. I have heard it, but I don't. I haven't heard it in a while. I might need to cue that one back up. But all right. I'll get you out of there on that. I'm sure you've got more Netflix programming and <laughs> Disney Plus to uh, to. Uh, Uh, put in front of your children indeed indeed. raising them right all right thanks so much david and uh, i'll talk to y'all next week